You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum for today's episode during the Giants' bye week. We are using this week to provide you with some NFL draft commentary, some thoughts on the NFL draft. We are at this somewhat halfway point for college football and also the NFL, so things can very much change. Things can fluctuate in the near future. But as of right now, we are going to address things how we think could possibly turn out. The idea is to discuss some of the various situations based on how things are looking for the Giants right now. If they end up in certain pick ranges, some of the guys that you can expect. But first, we would like to, to talk about on the offensive side of the ball is today's show. Offensively, who are, or rather, what position groups are the ones that need to be targeted? What position groups make the most sense on the offensive side of the ball just based on how this draft class looks offensively? And I think that for me, Chris, the two major ones are wide receiver or center, possibly guard if Kevin Zeitler doesn't come back and, and maybe they're not 100% sold on Shane Lemieux. Those are the only real position groups I can really sell 100%. Yeah, I would go along with that. Uh, the Giants don't need a running back. They certainly don't need a first-round running back. Uh, they're pretty, hopefully, they're pretty pretty well set at offensive tackle, but a pass catcher, preferably a wide receiver, and a wide a guy who can be a wide a number one wide receiver, that X wide receiver who is able to make plays everywhere on the field, uh, able to command double teams, force the defensive hand defense's hand. They really need that guy on their offense. That would let everyone else do the job that fits them best. And also, as you said, interior offensive line, I think, is a definite need for this team because I would almost be surprised if Kevin Zeitler comes back just because of his cap number. Now, whether they draft a guard or draft a center and move Nick Gates over to guard, you know, that that might come down to what they like, who's available when they're picking. Right. The offensive line deal is a little bit harder to really pinpoint 
it's strictly based on one, do they really like Shane Lemieux? And then two, if Kevin Zeitler comes back, but that receiver situation, trying to go and grab a serious playmaker at receiver, there is some really high end talent in the receiver class in this draft. And I think if you go and grab a guy, maybe he doesn't have an, like a super immediate high end impact right away, but at least some playmaking threat would be big for this Giants offense that needs to take the next step, especially for this upcoming year when many are hoping this team can take these strong wins and turn that into a serious, legitimate playoff push as Daniel Jones is going to be um, no longer on his rookie deal. So getting into this first tier of prospects, that makes sense. We're going to break this down based on pick ranges. The first one is if the Giants stick right where they are, if they end up in the top seven range, the position groups that make the most sense offensively for that range is mostly receivers. The two guys for me that I can rationalize is LSU's Jamar Chase and then Alabama's Jalen Waddle. I think Chase is more clear cut as a top seven pick than than Jalen Waddell is, but knowing how teams tend to draft, they will always value that type of speed that Jalen Waddell has. So I can see him pushing his way very close to Jamar Chase. So either of those guys, if they're in that top seven range offensively, that makes a, a ton of sense for, for them to go uh, either of those guys if they want offense. Yeah. And I could actually see them being tied in a lot of teams eyes. Uh, for me, I prefer Jamar Chase just because he does everything so well as a receiver. He's smooth. He runs good routes. He knows how to attack defensive coverages, and he has reliable hands, strong hands, wins in contested catch situations, and he can win all over the field. Now, Jalen Waddle, he is a ridiculous athlete. He is scary after the catch. He gives added added value as a returner if you need him to. So I could see teams you know really coming down to their individual preferences and philosophies and offensive schemes to differentiate differentiate the two. Just as an all-around receiver, I think I would rather have Jamar Chase on the Giants maybe because he reminds me of Hakeem Nicks coming out. Yeah, Chase we already chronicled and also same thing with with Jalen Waddle, they're two very different prospects. I don't really see Jalen Waddle as being that number one type receiver. I see him more as a speed player, a, a, a player like Henry Ruggs, that maybe he doesn't turn into um, a enormous threat for your offense, but more of a three to four reception guy that can get you some huge bursts, get you some huge chunk plays. That I don't think would be a negative to go after if Jamar Chase ends up getting taken before they can get him. If Waddle slides up ahead of them, though, I think you have to make that selection of going for Chase, who conversely is more well-rounded as a good route runner, a good yard-after-catch player, a good deep route runner. He has a more diverse skill set um, than Jalen Waddle does. We're going to now transition to talking about some of these mid-tier guys and then also some of these later first-round guys that you should be aware of. Before we do so, though, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Chris, discussing now the mid-first round, and I think that this is more of a possibility than people really want to consider, that the Giants might be picking in the, the 10 to 15 range. I think realistically, this might make the most sense. And the reason why I say that is not because I think that the Giants are going to finish with, with eight wins. I'm saying that because uh, is, be, is because right now, there are way more bad football teams in the NFL than we typically have. And roster-wise, the Giants are a little bit ahead of these, some of these teams. And right now, I have a feeling the top 10 of this draft class is going to be a lot of two- and three-win teams. We've got a lot of teams that just cannot win games, and the, the talent disparity is very evident this season. So because of that, if the Giants finish with four or five wins on this year and maybe they don't win the NFC East, which is going to be a tough task for them to handle, they're not going to be picking in the top 10 because of all of these bad teams ahead of them. Yeah, right now, there are 15 teams in the NFL with a losing record. That is kind of insane. And, you know, There is just a whole lot of bad football being played this year. So we could be looking at a the Giants finishing with a 4-12 or 5-11 record and be picking in the middle of the round which you know ordinarily that would be good for top 10 maybe even t- you know right around that 5 or 6 range so we do need to pay attention to the the guys who might not be blue chip players which even though the giants desperately need blue chip players on both sides of the ball but they might not have access to those guys just based on how many other teams are going to finish with bad records. Yeah, there are really a lot of teams that are going to finish with really bad records. And if you hear anybody talk about the landscape of this top 10 in the draft, a lot of people do think that there is going to be some serious low wins, te- low win teams vying for top draft selections. The Jets seem to have already put themselves in their own tier of being the worst team in the NFL. But I, I think it's pretty easy to say that there's going to be a lot of two win teams and the Giants might just based on the the momentum that they're riding be able to steal a couple wins and finish with with five wins and while in most seasons that's not really a high win total but based on how teams look at the bottom end of the NFL right now that might be a lot more than some teams so if this does end up happening i envision three players just based on current draft stock just based on how things are currently the three players that make the most sense in this range is Alabama's Devonta Smith, who is a very talented receiver. Tennessee's Trey Smith, who is a very good guard that some consider to be the best interior lineman in this draft class. And then Kyle Pitts, Florida's tight end, who I understand I did not mention tight end when we talked about 
these best needs for positions for the Giants. But if maybe they're they're sick of Evan Ingram, they move him during free agency, or if he's still there and they want to bring in another super talented tight end and they can't they don't want to pass on him, Kyle Pitts has been very dynamic for Florida's offense than this year. He has put up some stupid numbers, a number of games where he's had close to four touchdowns or at four touchdowns. So this is a playmaker. This is a guy that that has shown some versatility and almost plays like a number one receiver uh, despite him being a tight end. Yeah, in fact, I, I don't think it takes a whole lot of imagination to look at Kyle Pitts and see a potential X receiver there. Yeah. You know, Yes, he is listed at tight end, but he doesn't do a whole lot of blocking in their offense. And when he does, he's honestly not very good at it, at least in my eyes. Uh, but he has a really long frame. He isn't built like a classic two-way tight end. He's not built like Rob, Rob Gronkowski or Kelsey or you know, any of these other guys who are really more like really, really athletic offensive tackles. Yeah, he's six foot five, but he's actually closer to 240, maybe even 235 pounds. So he could play as an industrial size receiver, and he is not lacking for athleticism at that size. So if you wanted to, you could pair him with Evan Ingram and come up with some really intriguing, interesting, different offensive schemes where either one could play a receiver role and that could cause a lot of headaches for defenses now Devonta Smith he doesn't have that he doesn't have the same upside as Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle or even CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy last year but he is a good reliable receiver I'm not sure if he's that true x receiver the Giants really need but he can certainly help them and then there's the offensive line conversation that I think is an interesting one to have especially looking ahead and you know I actually think it's worth addressing right now and bringing up this conversation of if you're grading prospects and every team is going to grade every available prospect in the first round they're not going to dance around various position groups if they are even just a tiny bit confident in a player if you have Trey Smith fall into your lap and you have a top 10 grade on him, which I know some people do right now. Some draft analysts do have a, a, a high round, high first round grade on him. If he falls into your lap and you're in a range to pick him, it's there's no point in reaching on a player at another position group when you have the opportunity to take a talented player. It's the conversation that you have to have in the front office of, all right, do we want to roll with Shane Lemieux or do we take a guy that we know is better than he is, has more talent than he is, and can step in and play at a higher level already? It's that balance between, well, we have a guy, but do we want to stick with that guy or do we want to upgrade a position we don't necessarily need to upgrade because he's the best available player that we have? Yeah, that's really kind of the same argument people made for Quentin Nelson a couple years ago that you know, maybe even as high as second overall, the Giants really should consider Quentin Nelson or perhaps, you know, as a part of a trade back scenario like the Indianapolis Colts did, where you can add depth to, to your interior offensive line or just offensive line as a whole, upgrade the unit while picking up additional resources. Now, whether or not the Giants trade back is 
you know, that's always the question, and it might depend on who is their general manager for the 2021 draft. Uh, Dave Gettleman has never traded back, even when faced with a roster that could use as much young talent as possible. But Trey Smith is a, an interesting name to keep in mind. Now, he does have some medical red flags. Uh, he's dealt with blood clots, and you know, that is always concerning. But also sitting here, we don't have access to his medical reports. We are not doctors. We do not. We can't talk to his doctors. But that is just something to be aware of, something to keep in mind, in addition to how good he is. Now, I'm not saying he's Quentin Nelson, but he could be an interior lineman worthy of getting picked in that 10 to 15 range. Right. And the other thing, too, I want to throw into this before we get to the, the final draft pick range is this is also not just if the Giants are in, a, in in that set spot come the end of the season. This is also a potential situation where, let's say the Giants for this pick range, let's say that the Giants are at the ninth pick or the eighth pick where they are currently, if they then decide to trade back, which, which you just brought up. Now, conversely, maybe if the Giants are in... The, the around somewhere at pick 12, someone wants to move up to draft one of these quarterbacks that is really desperate to go get one. You then trade back to a spot that's somewhere around 15 to 25. The other thing that comes into play here, which is more of a possibility than we considered a few weeks ago, if the Giants finish really strong and win the NFC East, and this is not an endorsement of me saying that the Giants are going to win the NFC East, but that is on the table for possibly happening. If that does happen, they are going to be picking somewhere around pick 20. For that reason, we need to highlight some players that are going to be in that pick range. And right now with the center position, a tiny bit up in the air, not really sure if they want to continue with Nick Nick Gates. Mark Colombo's gone, so you now don't have um, the guy that's been really supporting him this whole time still there. If they want to move on from him, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma is supposed to be the best center in this class. Also, Ohio State's Wyatt Davis is a, is a talented guard. And then lastly, another receiver, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Yeah, in fact, I think you could, I think there's definitely an argument you could put Creed Humphrey up in that 10 to 15 range as a guy you could target in the middle of the first round, perhaps if you aren't sold on Nick Gates or if you want to move Nick Gates over to guard and then have a natural center at the position. Uh, Humphrey has been on my radar for a couple of years now. He is a very good center. He's got good size, good athleticism, and really the productivity of that Oklahoma offense over the last couple of years kind of speaks for itself, and he's been a big part of that. I think the arguments for Trey Smith, you can apply those right to Wyatt Davis as well, especially if for some reason you're drafting down in that 15 to 25 range. You know, at that point, the the value for a guard is a lot more appropriate than in the top half of the draft. The Giants should be looking at every wide receiver in their pick range, you know, Rashad Bateman, he is he's got good size. He's been very productive at Minnesota. He can be a playmaker. You could even look at uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., the other other receiver at LSU who has been climbing up draft boards, making plays, and looking pretty good, even though, you know, without 
Joe Brady without Joe Burrow, the LSU offense doesn't look anywhere as good as it did a year ago. Right. There are a lot of guys that are making some names for themselves. Rashad Bateman started playing a little bit late, so his his draft stock has been a tiny bit stale. Rondell Moore is a guy who used to be considered to be a first-round prospect, but because of some injuries and then opting back in, that has hurt him a little bit. Uh, you'll actually get to see soon, um, or it might already be out right now, a, a dual mock draft that Chris and I did, and I was able to land Rondell Moore with the draft simulator that I used. And I see that as a possibility um, for him to be there for the Giants maybe in the second round based on where they're picking. But the one thing that I want to just wrap up today's show with, Chris, because I know some people that pay attention to college football and and like to read up on the draft are going to be wondering, well, why didn't you bring up Penny Sewell? Well, it makes sense for why we're not bringing up Penny Sewell. It doesn't make, actually, rather the better way to phrase it, it doesn't make any sense to acknowledge him as a possible prospect because the Giants just spent a top four pick on Andrew Thomas. They're going to wait to see that thing out. And then additionally, Matt Parrott has shown tremendous upside and some serious flashes. They're going to try and roll with both of those guys. I don't really see a situation based on their their size ranges of trying to bump one of them inside to guard. Nor would you want to bump your fourth overall pick left tackle into guard just a year in just because Penny Sewell is on the board for you. This is not like the Shane Lemieux um, situation that I highlighted earlier. That is a late round pick that has stepped in and played and done some decent things, but we know that there are better athletes out there at guard in the first round of this year's draft class. Sewell's talented. It just doesn't make sense with the current uh, roster and the way that it's set up. Yeah, I think there could be an argument if you want to uh, maybe use Andrew Thomas as kind of like a, a Jeff Schwartz type player, a guy who, yes, he can't, he is. He is capable of playing tackle, but his fr- his frame, his power, his length is such that he can he can also play at guard. And I do think Andrew Thomas does have that ability, unless the Giants are absolutely sold on Sewell, and he is also sitting there, which he is not getting out of the top five. So unless the Giants are drafting in that range and he falls to them, it's not going to matter. It's possible they could be so smitten with him, see him as a as another Tyron Smith who doesn't need the extra development coming out of college that Smith needed just to get up to the size to play tackle. That is possible, but you know, I think any speculation is going to be moot because the Giants might have already won enough that they're not going to get a chance to pick him anyway. Right. And I, I just, I, in general, though, I think that he might not be on the radar as some people think. There were some mock drafts where I did see Sewell ending up with the Giants, but they're starting to push themselves out of that pick range where he would make the most sense. He's going to end up with, a, with a, a team that's in the top three. A lot of people consider Sewell to be the third best player in this class behind Justin Fields and, and Trevor Lawrence. So, again, that, it's going to be very difficult for the Giants to go grab him. Our next show that we're going to do next week, we will be discussing some defensive players, which is going to be a bit more, um, it's going to be a lot more filled with some bigger names, I think. I think it's going to be a lot more diverse in position groups because there are some key spots that we've brought up before on various shows 
that we think if the Giants can fill them defensively, this can turn into a really good defense or a strong defense into one of the best in the NFL if they get the right guy. So we're going to talk about that stuff next week. We also have coming up for you on Saturday a conversation with Mark Schofield about Trey Lance, who is the only first-round declared quarterback, what it means uh, for him as a prospect, and also maybe the possibility of what it would take for the Giants to maybe decide to go quarterback again in this year's draft class. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Raptor MKII, and also um, at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. Also head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.